Good morning. Welcome to a new week. Hopefully we can do that this week. Open our heart and let God fill it. Let his love fill our hearts. Hope you all slept good and um, are ready to tackle another week of studies. Hope you're not feeling burnt out. This morning I feel like we're changing, uh, shifting gears a little bit. We've had a weekend of focus, particularly on missions, and um, so we're changing to some different, something different this morning. You can turn to 1 Kings chapter 12. I'd like to read a little account here about uh, Rehoboam. Maybe while you're getting there, just a little background here. Um, just previous to this, if you go back one chapter, you see that uh, we have Solomon as king, and Solomon, laced toward the end of his life, did not always w make wise choices. And in this chapter, we get a little portrayal of, of, uh, of Solomon's kingship, and it doesn't sound like it was all that appealing to the people at the end. It seemed like he became a little bit controlling and, and difficult to uh, work with. And God said he was going to take the kingdom from him. And so he had, the prophet had showed up to a man by the name of Jeroboam, and, and he, had, he, he was wearing a new jacket, and he tore it in 12 pieces, the prophet. And he said uh, ten of the, he gave 10 pieces to Jeroboam and said that um, 10 tribes would be given to Jeroboam, and the other two tribes would stay with, with uh, Solomon's descendants, which... Rehoboam was Solomon's son. A little background of the chapter. Let's start reading at verse 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel was come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he had fled <clears throat> from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spoke unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put on us lighter and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days and then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then will they be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add, your, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old man's counsel that they gave him, 
And he spake to them after the counsel of the young man, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shunonite, unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Okay, we're going to stop reading there. Um, this is an interesting account and, and uh, difficult sometimes for me to understand Rehoboam and his thought patterns here. Why did Rehoboam decide to treat the people that were under him or were going to be under him when they, when they in verse, uh, I believe it's in verse 4, they said in the end of verse 4 that if you make the load lighter, and this was an interesting point to me, and looking at this, I had uh, some time back, I never really noticed what it says about Solomon here that um, apparently he was a very difficult king at the end of his life. And so they said, the oppression he's put upon us, if you could just make his load a little bit lighter, we'll serve you. They committed to serving him if he would make the load a little bit lighter. So why would he turn from that um, offer and say, I'm just going to make life a whole lot more difficult for you yet than my father did. Well, what did he go through in the process of coming to that decision? Um, I'd like to think this morning a little bit about dealing with peer pressure. Solomon, or uh, Rehoboam, first of all, he went to the older men, and I don't know what caused him to do this first, but he went to the older men for advice on this. What should I do? This question was before him. What should I do? Um, should I make life easy for them or should I make life difficult for them? And we have the answer of the older men. They said, um, make life easier for them. I think they understood that these people would be loyal and serve Rehoboam if he made their life a little easier. And then he went to, it says, the younger men, or it says here, the young men that were grown up with him. He went to them to see what they would have to say. Apparently, he wasn't satisfied with the older men's advice, or maybe he just wanted to see what the young men would say. And here's another thing I don't understand. Why did they give the advice they did? Um, make life difficult for these people. Uh, Solomon made it hard for them. Make it even harder for them. Make, them difficult, make life difficult for them. I don't know, again, I, I, I don't know why what their answer was. Maybe they thought that they would be part of his kingdom and they could take advantage of the people. I'm not sure what the, all the reasoning was. But why did Rehoboam take the advice of the young men over the vice, advice of the old men? Well, let's think a little bit about peers, peer pressure. And I like to think, first of all, a little bit about peers. Who are your peers? Um, do you have any peers here this morning? I think that all of you youth have lots of peers here. Uh, thinking about peer pressure, um, the definition of peer pressure are peers, particularly as a person who is equal um, it, to another in abilities, uh, qualifications, age, background, or social status. Someone who is similar to you that you feel um, connected to Typically, we think of peer pressure relating to age, and that's, I think, probably the biggest thing that makes 
the youth around you, your peers, is because they're similar to you in age. Um, but there's also social status, there's also abilities, um, backgrounds, there's other things that connect you, maybe particularly where you feel more connected to some youth than other youth, and you feel more pressure from some youth than other youth because of your similarities in backgrounds or abilities or whatever it may be. So who were Rehoboam's peers here? We saw that in verse 10, 9, 9 and 10. Um, yeah, verse 10, it says, the young men that were grown up with him, these were his peers that he went to for advice. They were the ones that were his age and the ones that he, he had a lot of uh, common interests with, he was connected to. So I believe that explains why he rejected the advice of the, of the old men because he wanted to be connected, he wanted to be close to his peers and he wanted to take their advice. Who are your peers this morning? Probably particularly those that are sitting around you. Um, they're your peers, they're, they're the group that you is important to you. Um, you know, if, if uh, I didn't feel just a lot of pressure, uh, I think the group going up to the workout this morning was a little bit smaller. Um, I didn't feel particular pressure to, I don't feel a lot of pressure to be in there and be part of that. And I can easily make the excuse while well, they're, they're young, they have the energy, they can do that. But, um, but for you, maybe there is a little bit of pressure there. Excuse me. But then I look back at Harry and say, I guess I still should be in there because it does give me, it does make me feel a little pressure after all. But the pressure is on because of your age group and um, those, those of your age. If, if one of you goes out and buys a new phone, um, I don't feel a whole lot of pressure because that's not really of an interest to me. I would rather keep my old phone just as long as I can. I had to buy a new phone here. Um, I say had to. I had thought I had to at least for several reasons. Not too long for Bible school and I don't enjoy buying a new phone. I'd rather keep my old one. Um, so if you talk about your new phone, I'm not going to feel a whole lot of pressure. Maybe partly because you're in a different age group, but maybe the thing that's important to us is a bit different too. Now, Dwight does equipment rental, and uh, we were talking about that a little bit, and I used to do equipment rental, but I didn't, I didn't do dozers and some of the bigger items that Dwight does. Now, if I was still involved in that, I'd probably go home and say, my, maybe I should get into um, some, some more bigger units in equipment rental. I may feel that pressure because it's a similar interest, and um, maybe we're a little closer uh, related in, in age and, and our interests. So those, those are peers. That's where the pressure comes from. Um, what is this pressure? Let's talk a little bit about the pressure now that comes from our peers. Um, in August 10, 1948, there was a reality show that did a hidden camera in, a, in an elevator. And... Uh, it was, they had, they had done different series to try to catch people acting like themselves. And they did one in an elevator, and uh, they called it Face the Rear. An unsuspecting person boarded an elevator 
and uh, naturally turned like we do, turned around, faced toward the door. And they had three more people board the elevator and just walk in and just continue to face toward the back of the elevator. And so with the camera up there, they got the expression on this person's face as he faced his decision. What do I do? I'm odd. I'm, I'm, I'm standing here facing the front. The others are all facing the back. And he struggled with that for a little bit. But he continued to stand there until one more, I'm not sure if he went to another floor or not, but one more person entered and again faced to the back. And finally, it was too much for him, and he turned around and faced to the back of the elevator, too. And as that, that decision, as he struggled with that, but finally the pressure was so great that he turned and did what he would have probably said was stupid. Why would I turn and face the back of the elevator? So do we face, do you face that pressure? You know about that pressure of doing some things that that uh, maybe you wouldn't otherwise do, but because you're watching it happen. Um, I'm going to tell you about a young man that was in, in our uh, youth circle growing up. I was uh, in my mid-teens at the time. I wasn't real involved in the youth yet. He was a bit older than me. But this young man had maybe a little hard time fitting into his social circle. Um, he had he had uh, some fairly strong convictions that um, caused conflict at times in the youth where he would want to do certain things and, and uh, the others, the others um, would just ignore him or maybe, maybe I, know, I know in some situations where maybe they had gone somewhere for church and they stopped to eat on the way home and he'd sit out in the vehicle because he didn't think it was a good idea. Um, some, of, some of his thinkings were probably a little extreme. But the struggle became greater and greater, and I think this young man, I'm not exactly sure of his age, but I think he was in his mid-twenties, and one day on the farm, he didn't show up for supper. And finally, they went out looking for him, and his dad found him hanging in the barn, dead. And this was a Mennonite young man that... Uh, for all we knew was just like you that had a relationship with God. But the pressure became too great. Something went wrong, and he couldn't take it anymore. Well, that's the extreme. It sent a lot of ripples through, the, through their family, through the community, through the church. Um, and it shook us all up. I, I can still remember exactly where I was standing when I heard that and it's just painful to talk about it yet today and I wonder how the pressure got so great that he couldn't take it anymore so yes youth you do face pressure I think all of us I don't think any of us can can say that there's no pressure there there is pressure and how are you relating to that pressure how are you dealing with it there's pressure in the way you dress. There's pressure in the way you comb your hair. There's pressure in the way you, what phones you use, what phones you have, your vehicles. Um, there's pressure on the way, how you drive. Let's look a little bit at negative peer pressure. Um, It can take us places that we have no desire or that we had never thought that we would go. 
negative peer pressure can make us do things that we never thought we would, we would do. And I think that negative peer pressure, particularly whether we're involved in creating negative peer pressure or whether we're succumbing to negative peer pressure, is primarily uh, self-centered. It's, it's selfish. It's about ourselves. It's looking at what I can gain from friendship, what will lift me up, what will make me look more important. It's, it, the, the pressure is very, it's very selfish. Um, and we have examples of what it did. We have the example of, of Rehoboam and what it did to Rehoboam here really it caused him to lose most of the kingdom in the end um, because I know that it was that God had said he would take this away and it says that this was all part of God's plan. But because of his foolish choice, um, he lost most of the kingdom. I had to think of Joseph's um, brothers when they put him in the pit. I think as you read that account, you, it becomes pretty clear that not all his brothers really wanted to put him in the pit. Um, we have very quickly Reuben trying to, uh, or, or not all of his, or let me say it this way, not all of his brothers wanted to take his life. When he first came out, they said, let's take his life. But um, I think it was Reuben that said, no, let's just put him here in the pit. Because Reuben had intentions to pull him back out. Reuben had intentions to save his life. And then uh, I think Reuben had left. And then, then um, when these men came along that were heading to, to Egypt, Judah says, what good does it do um, to kill him? Let's just... Let's sell him. And, and I think, again, Judah, Judah was attempting to save his life. Why? Because they didn't really agree with what had been done. But under pressure, they let it happen. Um, and so negative peer pressure can make us do things that we had no intentions of doing, that we didn't want to do. But is all peer pressure negative? No, it certainly isn't. There is also positive peer, peer pressure. Um, we have the account of Daniel. Daniel, um, when the king, when, when they were chosen um, for, the, for the plan the king wanted them to be involved in, Daniel, when they were to eat the king's meat, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not. Daniel stood for what he believed and created positive peer pressure that uh, his friends also joined in and were part of. And so peer pressure can be positive. And so this morning, be a positive peer. Um, build positive peer pressure. Do the things, and it comes by standing for what is right. By purposing in our heart that we will do what is right, we become a positive peer, and we uh, help people in the right direction. In 1 Samuel 18, we have the story of Jonathan and David. I see Jonathan as another positive peer. And again, I said that negative peer pressure is selfish. I think it is. It's, it's about ourselves. It's about lifting ourselves up and, and for people to notice me. Positive peer pressure. Think about Jonathan. Jonathan care about himself? What did he do at the very beginning of the friendship? After, in chapter 17, I think we have the story of, of, of David killing Goliath, and he comes in there, and he comes back to Saul, and Saul says... He asked who this man was, and, and he was there. And then and beginning of chapter 18, we have um, Jonathan meeting David, and it says they loved each other. They became good friends. And what did Jonathan do? 
the very beginning, it says he stripped off his clothes and gave them to David. What was that about? What was he doing there? Jonathan should have been the next king. And at that point, he was, he was telling David, I want you to have the position that I, or I'm giving you the position that uh, would be mine. And through, after that, we, as we look at David's life after that, Jonathan was a positive peer in the life of David. And so I believe when we take the focus off of ourselves and really want to help each other, when we really want to reach out to each other and we really want to lift each other up, we become a positive peer. But if our focus is on ourselves and getting the attention myself and, and uh, having the friends that would give me social status, when that's my goal, then I fall into the negative category. Well, I'd like to make this real practical a little bit. Um, just peer pressure at Bible school. Do you face peer pressure at Bible school? We already said, yes, you do face peer pressure. You're making a lot of new friends, and that's a good thing. And I really think there's no better place for you to make new friends than right here. I think we have a lot of good youth here that um, can be positive peers in your life po and create positive pressure. And so I'm glad that you're making friends here, and I'm glad I like what I'm seeing where you're, where you're all together and you're, you're, you're not people over here and people over there and you don't get along with this group or that. I don't, I don't see that here, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and I think that's, that's great. Um, of all the friends you're making, think about this for a little bit. Of all the friends you're making here in the next, in these three weeks, there's most likely only just a few of those friends that are going to be really influential in your life. Um, that maybe 20 years from now you will still be in contact with and you will still be, um, they'll still be close friends to you. Maybe, maybe less than that, maybe more, but um, when, I think about, when I think about my Bible school days, I made lots of friends, and yet there's only a few of those. Today I'll meet people and maybe they'll come to me and say, hey, I was at Bible school with you, and I have no recollection. I don't, I, you know, it's just I don't remember. Or maybe I go to them and say, I remember being in Bible school, and they, they don't remember me. Because we, we never really influenced each other after Bible school. Um, there was not a connection that lasted long term. But there is a few people that uh, I made friends with Bible school that are very close friends today, that are good friends. And so think about that a little bit. There's probably only a few that will really have an influence in your life and who choose those friends carefully. Um, but more important than thinking, focusing on that is focus on what kind of person you will be, what kind of friend you are, and, uh, and what your influence is to others and how it will affect those that you're influencing here and those that you will continue to influence maybe in the coming years, how will your life influence them? And I believe that it starts with, as we looked at particularly the life of Daniel, as we have a commitment to serve God and as we stand on that commitment, as we're true and faithful to God, um, we will become a positive influence in the lives of others. But if we're wavering and we're not sure where we stand and if we just kind of 
Um, one day, one day we're, we're doing pretty good and the next day we're down and, and it depends what friends we're with as to how we act. Um, we probably become a weak influence and maybe a negative influence on others. And so as you choose friends, I believe in, in those choices, what draws you to people, as we said, peers, what draws you to the friends that you become closest to here at Bible school is there's, there's probably going to be some common interest between you. It's maybe friends, maybe for the boys, it's somebody who, who uh, enjoys archery, uh, whatever. That's, that's a passion. They really enjoy that. And so you're, you're, you connect with those people, and you're, um, there, there's a bond there. And so you, maybe you find a few common interests, and so you, you, that, this, is, this is really becomes a bond between you. And, and that's okay. But with that, consider one thing, that oftentimes with those type of friendships, initially maybe you don't know them just real good, you're getting to know them, and there's some common interest pulling you together. With those friendships can come a little bit of baggage also that can be a negative. Maybe I say, well, I, me and him just hit it off. I mean, we, just, we have this interest, and it really draws us together, but I'm not sure about his music. Huh, I've never listened to that kind of music before. And, 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 and we begin to try to understand, now what do I do about this? And so right there, there's a pressure point. Um, if, if I'm going to be a close friend with him, I have to accept his music. But that's not the music I liked before. And that's not the music I think is good. That's not the music that my church uh, wants me to listen to. And so whatever it may be, suddenly with those friendships and with that influence, there comes some negative, and there's a place for you to take a stand and say, yeah, you know what, we have this common interest. I like being your friend. We're good friends. But now you can be a positive influence in his life and help him with his music or whatever it may be. Just using that for an illustration. And so I think that uh, here at Bible school is a great time to build good friendships. But don't let it weaken your life. Let it strengthen your life. Um, where there's influences that are wrong, take a stand and say, I won't go there. Um, I like this about you. I really, we're, we're great friends and I want to be your friend, but I can't, I can't do this. It's just, I, I, I don't want this. It's not, it's not uh, where I want to go. And so here's where I have to take a stand. Be willing to do that. And then you become a positive peer in that person's life. And they might say, well, I never, I just, I never thought about that, but thank you. I'd like to close with a verse in Proverbs where Solomon says this, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Do that today. Do that this week. Sharpen the countenance of your friends. Be a positive influence um, that will build others up and that will... Um, be an influence for the rest of their lives for the good. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I pray for each one of these youth that are here this morning, Lord, and the challenges and they face in their life. Lord, I pray that you would touch their lives today and whatever they may be facing, Lord, I pray that you would be near to them and they would look to you for strength to stand for what is right. Lord, if there's negative pressure. I pray that you would help them to look to you and to overcome and to stand and become a positive peer.
Bless their lives. Bless them today as they go through their classes and through their study. Pray for each teacher. You bless them also today. And be with all of us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in service to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.